0: everybody welcome to another episode of marcy unplugged the host the most as always and today i'm bringing you another kick-ass interview someone that is hilarious they're fun and would completely throw you off within the first couple of minutes of meeting them if you saw them in person didn't speak to them uh because they are definitely a 180 from what you'd expect which is amazing um my next guest today is the one and only christine nicholson she is an amazing entrepreneur as well as well her site pretty much her site says what she does. It's the like whole says what uh, does what it says on the tin, which is she is known as the Profit Fixer. And again, subsequently, the show is sponsored by theprofitfixer.co.uk as well as adalemarcy.com. And I'm going to shut up now and bring Christine on board. Hey, Christine, thanks for being here.
1: Hey, how, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Uh, t- today is a glorious day. Um. Actually, the sun was shining before. It's gone a bit cloudy now, but it's absolutely. It is not going to rain because I am going. I'm. I have got to walk uh, this afternoon, and um, and I absolutely refuse to use an umbrella in London. It's a weapon of mass blindness. So um, it is not allowed to rain when I don't have an umbrella, and I've got to walk out in the open. Um, Agreed. Mm.
0: Agreed. It's one of those things they always find with um, with London itself. Is that you kind of have that whole aspect and feeling of do I really want to take an umbrella with me? Uh, it depends where you are. Because again, yeah. if you end up on the tube, and you probably will here in London, you don't want to be the person that has an umbrella knocking into everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. The ass. So kinda of like jumping right off the bat because we were having like a lot of conversations before we even got started. And I had to stop <laughs> like at one point conversation. because <laughs> In all honesty, you've got like one hell of a fascinating life and I'm like, damn I- are we gonna get all of this in an hour, let's try. If not, we've gotta get you back in. Um, so my first question more than anything else is, so we're gonna go into what you actually do, but specifically with your life story, like you've been homeless twice in your life, uh, you yep. left school at 16 and you travel the world, to help businesses grow, you've gone through like a myriad of different feelings. The initial question I really want to ask was, what kept you going?
1: You know, I, I have asked myself this several times because there have definitely been absolute lows in, in my life. And somewhere deep in my psyche is the, uh, it's the, it's not just the ability to get up off my knees, it's the drive, it's an invisible drive. I wish I could explain it, but it's almost like, um, nobody's, I, I feel like I'm immortal. I just feel like somewhere deep in my soul, there is this absolute resistance to, to um, and failing it's not even failing, but there's an absolute resistance to being anything less than the most that I can be. And there are definitely times where, you know, I, I've, I've done the depression, a short term depression thing where I've gone to bed for days feeling very sorry for myself. But I quickly realized that I am feeling sorry for myself. And you know, my favorite quote from, from anybody anywhere was um, Mahatma Gandhi, who says, never worry about getting old, it's a privilege denied to many. And I think because my, you know, I come from a military background, I've been in the military myself, and it really brings home that a privilege denied to many. And, you know, I wake up every morning, uh, and I have that mantra of be joyful and enthusiastic, be of service to yourself, then service to others. You really got to. You really got to embrace yourself, um, and and life is a gift. And once you realise that you're dead a long time, you kind of just treat every day. The sun will rise, and you get up, and you breathe in, and you breathe out, and you get on with it, and you just forget the past.
0: See, I agree with that entirely. Simply because um, it's as you said that life is a precious gift that many people are actually denied and it's something that you don't really come to terms with until you really look at what a year is yes and, and i'm kind of lucky because i grew up uh, in a religious household every year would fast and the whole thing with ramadan was that at the end of every year you'd be during that time you'd be like make sure you get as much good done in this one month because it's a sacred month for muslims and for me what that means is The next year is not guaranteed, and you're constantly reminded of the life that you have left, and that's one of the reasons why I always gravitated back to Islam, regardless of how many times I lost my faith or I came back, whatever it was. For me, it was a case of the it was the truest reminder for me. It wasn't like, hey, it's all sunshine and rainbows, and everything's gonna be fine. No, 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 no. You've got X amount of time. You need to put your best forward. This this isn't a trial run. This is a hey. That's no rehearsals. Yeah, it's kind of like um the best analogy I have for it, it's like life is basically being born on a treadmill that's at 15 miles an hour and you got to learn how to sprint while learning how to walk. Yes. <laughs> it's the simplest way of actually describing that. Now, the one things I find so fascinating about you, especially with the different experiences that you had, what have you found is like the most uniting factor that you got to look for when you start helping businesses, specifically small businesses, saving themselves from bankruptcy? Like what is it that you've seen when you look at them gone? why is this such a common issue
1: so the biggest killer in business is absolutely cash flow
0: yeah
1: and, and 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 whilst it is it's also the most obvious but for many people they get caught up in the i don't do numbers psyche Yeah, and when you start thinking stop thinking of numbers as anything different to abc you know most people can read and write okay you might not be able to do it very well but. Most people can read a newspaper, and fundamentally, numbers are just an extension of the alphabet and if you start getting into that it's just an, it's just an extension of normal language, um, then you stop thinking of numbers as something different, so then you start thinking about it just the same as learning your ABC and um, and and you can actually start to have an attitude of it's not that i don't I don't do numbers it's I embrace the fact that I had to learn to read and write and I am going to embrace the fact that I need to learn how to um, understand my bank statement and that I need to understand the mechanics of cash flowing through my business. Now, one step back from that is you need to understand that you're profitable and one, one of the biggest things that, one of the biggest challenges that I have is getting people to recognize the difference between profit and cash flow um, but it's why, you know, I wrote my very first book, um, Five Minute Finance, purely on conversations that I was having with my clients over and over again. And the whole book is written um, with the, it's it's not an accounting book. It's what is I actually put that on the first page, you know, no yawning here, this is not an accounting book. This is a book that can be read in five minute little chunks. The whole thing can be read and understood in 90 minutes. And it allows you to understand the language that your accountant um, uses Absolutely. to create this smoke and mirrors. So, so
0: um,
1: just to put this in.
0: It's demystifying the accountancy.
1: Absolutely. And it allows you to ask questions of your accountant.
0: What's your book called again? Because I want to get a copy of this just simply because uh-huh. I'm terrible at this. Because um, for me, like, I've been reading a book called uh, How to Speak Money. Oh. It's it's a great book because the reason it works for me is because the author was smart enough in the sense of like he was writing this for my generation people that came through like the 90s and the 2000s and the way he wrote it was like um, yeah think about it as like one of the best lessons I've actually learned about cash flow in particular was his, his example and again this is why I stuck with me he goes um, the Wu-Tang clan the RZA from the Wu-Tang basically he uses the song cream cash rules everything around me And goes, that's the reason that he's what he's talking about is he always had to make sure he had a positive cash flow to actually hustle through the hood so he can actually make music at the same time. So very similar to your business, to make sure that your enterprise actually flies and gets off the ground, you need to make sure that you have cream constantly coming in. You always have cash coming in. I was like, Oh, that makes way more sense as a as a concept than like cash flow as a word.
1: Yes. Yeah, because it's it's scary when you when accountants use language that um it you,
0: you don't really understand, because don't it's understand.
1: yeah absolutely and then, and there's there's some common industries that use language as a barrier uh, and yet these are all the industries that need to use language as a unifier and that's accountancy law i.t and medicine now if you think about all of those it's it's all of the challenges that we will always have in life we'll always have health issues We'll, we'll at some point always need a lawyer um, because you, know, you, you, you get born, you get married, sometimes you get divorced and then you die and you need lawyers for those things. Um, th- th- we're in the technology age. We're gonna need IT people to, to make sense of the technology for us. And, and we all operate, regardless of whether our t- cash is in our hands or digital, we, we all operate in a, in a, in a cash society. Um, regardless of the form of that flow of money. So we actually need to take responsibility for learning this language. And, it, and and I just decided that actually I need to take responsibility as an accountant. I also have a law degree, by the way, so I really do understand this whole separation of language. And I have a, a management science degree in information systems management as well. So I really have three qualifications in language that is the barrier uh, you know i understand it because i i i, yeah. I studied it um, but yes. um, but it, it is our responsibility as professionals in those fields to make sure that people understand that language in a language that they can understand um and and if we don't take that responsibility then we're always going to be managing crises well i don't know about you but i'd rather meet a business owner in where they are and find them not in too much of a crisis so that I can enjoy the journey that they have rather than, you know, most...
0: all the fires.
1: Yeah, I, I, I get, I did, I've done a lot of crisis management in the past. It's an exercise in misery. You meet, you meet, you're, you're, you're meeting the business owner where they are when they're miserable and you have to go through hell to get them anywhere near Um, uh, uh, happy and by the time you've both been through hell together they want to go and meet someone that they haven't been through hell with
0: so it's it's one of my greatest pains in my ass is is when I work with clients like that um specifically I get clients coming in and I jokingly got to the point where I think I even said it on my website or I made sure that it's going to be going on my website where I referred to myself in basketball terms as a clutch player (laughs) And a clutch play is basically like your Michael Jordans or your Steph Curry's. Basically, you're down. You basically need a hail mary. I'm the hail mary, and the only reason I say that is because the amount of businesses I've gone in, where and there are some very famous entrepreneurs that I've gone worked with, where you look at their cash flow, you look at their business and how much they're earning, and you're like, how do you not? How what? yes why you do? And then it's kind of like I have to manage their ego with my work. And make sure yeah. that it works, and then I have to fight them tooth and nail. So right now, what's been good for me is a clause that I have in my contract. Uh, there's a couple of clauses. One of them is that I will call you a cunt repeatedly uh, while we're working together, because if you're that dumb, I will not. I will make it very obvious that you are that dumb.
1: Like especially
0: <laughs> if you're arguing with me over really mundane shit. I'm like, um, I'm, sorry, How much money have you made? Oh, okay, cool. And um, how many <laughs> advertising campaigns have you run? Great. Go sit in the corner, wear the dunce hat, and come back to me when I'm done. Yeah. I've actually yelled at one of my clients that. And they were like, I'm not doing that. I was like, fine. I'm not going to work until you actually do. But they they finally went and did it. I did my work. They came back. They read it and went, this is actually really good. I was like, okay, go, go let me do my thing now. Because it's yeah. a fear of letting go. Um, But yeah, it, it, this and I say that jokingly about well, – I'm not jokingly. It is serious in my contract. But the other two clauses that I have in there are specifically to do with I don't actually ever want to take on someone else's drama – like, if they have, like, life drama, I don't want to bring it into the business realm. And finally, if there is a situation that's, like, genuinely affecting you, like, hey, I'm going through a divorce right now. Um, we need to make sure this launches, whatever it is. I don't like coming in as the person that, even though I'm very good at it, I don't like coming into the situation where it's it's either this or we die.
1: Yeah. Those uh, situations,
0: like- and, and you have this short time frame to do it, and it's like, hey, I need eight weeks. Can you do it in three? yeah it's like okay but my fee's gonna go up by three times no we can't do it the same it's like okay but we really need you can we do i was like fine eventually because the nice part of me will kick in and be like fine i'll come and help and make sure you don't die
1: i do so many charity cases it's like a virtual high five here because you're 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 singing to my soul um uh, because I, you know, I, I even in, in my contracts now I have, I am not, this is thing, things that I'm not. So things I will do for you, things I will not do for you. I am not your 24 seven therapist. Yeah. You know, there are things that I cannot fix. And if you, it, there are things that I can fix, but you have to want them to be fixed. Yes. And if you want them to be fixed, I can't make you. So, um, and, and some people really do think that, they, you know, that they can kind of step aside, let me step in, let me fix them, and then they step back in and screw it all up again. Yeah. Um, I, I've been through that, that, um, that several times. Just as an aside, because you're obviously a, a basketball fan. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me, it, this is going to seem inconsequential to people who don't know basketball, that's but um, my, my brother lived, used to live in Denver, no way. And I went out to see him and I was on a flight back and uh, there was a kind of hoo-ha going on around the flight and I was kind of oblivious as to all I wanted to do was get him off like uh, Denver to Atlanta and then I was long haul from there so all I wanted to do was settle in and watch the movie and um, anyway this guy came to sit next to me so we're in row one and uh, this guy came to sit next to me and I kind of started looking up and kept on looking up right up until my head was like, and I was like, I said to this guy, who was just the biggest guy I've ever seen, and oh my god, how tall are you? And he said, seven foot three. Now, to put that into perspective, that is a full 24 inches taller than me. Okay, his feet were bigger than me. His, he had size 21 feet. And so I said
0: you're five three then.
1: Yeah. And so, so I then said to him, Oh my god. Do you play basketball? <laughs> now, the reason why this is funny, and uh, the entire flight just burst into hysterics, it was Dikembe
0: Mutombo. Dikembe Mutombo. Mb- Mb- you you, so yeah.
1: 18 years uh, in, the, in the NBA.
0: Uh, yeah, it, legend. You know, legend a, status. A hall, uh, yeah,
1: Hall of Famer. And the nicest man, oh. the nicest man you could ever want to spend a four-hour flight. In fact, I didn't want to get off the plane. And I was quite happy to grab hold of his leg and say, please don't leave me. <laughs> because he was just so nice.
0: Yeah. Just so nice. It's kind of like what I really love. Like one of my favorite plays at the current moment is Steph Curry. I love Steph Curry just simply because not only is he great on the court, like he is the example of a perfect playmaker because he's unselfish. This is how crazy. So take away all like the charitable stuff that he does, his entrepreneurship, his cha- everything, him and his wife are a house um basically him and his wife i compare them as what kanye west and kim kardashian are but likable yes kim and (laughs) kim and kanye are successful they're happy but they do draw a lot of hate steph and aisha they just draw a lot of love like people just like enamored with them the thing i really adore about it though is um you can almost like once you've been doing what i've been doing for such a long time you can almost immediately tell when someone's fake and when someone's real just by a photograph, and with him, you could just tell the kindness from that person's uh, personality because of how his family uh, is and how he grew up and everything else. But specifically, one thing that he did that made me uh, really endeared me to him to really show his character was he held the record for most three pointers made in a single game. His, his um, the shooting guard, because he's a point guard, his shooting guard, the guy that he plays with, uh, Clay Thompson, they're basically known as the Splash Brothers because they just dominate the three point range.
1: Yeah.
0: Stefan ensured Clay broke his record. Like Clay was about to break his record and Stefan kept getting the ball and kept passing it to Clay and kept telling everyone, Give Clay the ball, let him get the three, let him get the three, let him get the three. And he's just encouraging <laughs> his friends, like, break my record, smash yeah. it, destroy my record. And then when he was asked like Clay was asked, What what was Steph's reaction? He goes, That's how you can tell he's an unselfish player. He gave me the ball and was like, Take the shot, keep taking the shot until you break my record. Yeah. And he goes, the thing is, with Steph, you know he's such a competitor because now he's like, okay, you broke my record, now I'm going to try and break that record. And then yeah. I'm going to get you to break it back, and then we're going to go back and forth until it's just the two of us. And it's yeah. like, you can tell that love from someone right away. Now, Yuck. kind of jumping off of that, because there is a very key point that I do want to ask, you've obviously developed like skills in how you can quickly uh, analyze characters of who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with. Obviously, that's through a lifetime of experience of exactly what you've gone through. Yeah. Um, what have you found are the key characteristics that actually help people in business succeed? Like what are the key internal characteristics, not the external factors because, you know, you can catch a lucky break, you can fake your way to being a success. You can lie, cheat and steal and get that. But there is a, a certain characteristic inside people that I believe if you look at them, you're like, yeah, there's something special about them. They're going to, they're just going to go and do it. Like they get the... If they catch the right path and go this way, they're just gonna make it. So, what would you say of those characteristics?
1: Um So, the, the key one is tenacity. It, it is just that absolute keep going, even if you're on your knees crawling. It's keep going, and and I have a couple of so so Winston Churchill, amazing guy from a quotes perspective. I mean, he has one for everything. Oh, very much. And 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 one of his key key quotes was. Um, when in hell, keep going. So even when you are absolutely on your knees, and you might need to change something because he, he doesn't say, when in hell, keep going in the same direction. What he does say is just keep going because there's only one way out of hell, and that's to move.
0: Yep.
1: Um, and, and people with tenacity uh, uh, really keep going. I, I saw a great uh, speech by Madonna. I think it went viral last year where she was given a Lifetime Award. And uh, she walked on the stage, and she and, and it was really impassioned speech. But the thing that really came out of it for me was when she said, you know, people think that I've been con- controversial in my career. But the most controversial thing I've done is I stuck around. And that's it. You know, people who just stick at it, um, not just sticking at something for plain old stubbornness, but actually they stick around and adapt. Uh, uh, but, uh, but they, they you know, they have a commitment to their goals or their or their mission and um, so one of the things that you kind of need to to complement the tenacity is a level of confidence and it is that self-confidence and I don't mean arrogance I mean it is actually just being confident in in your abilities or confident in the fact that you can learn the things that are required to keep you going so there's got to be a level of self-awareness there but but having confidence that's, that rather than arrogance and having a level of uh, self-belief that, again, is not just um, what I call the bullshit factor. Yeah. Um, and then finally, well, two other things really. One is being very outcome-orientated because ultimately success is the culmination of the daily activities, your daily actions. And um, I'm sure we've all come across people who are, um, like, if, you're, if you have a great new idea and you say, right, I'm gonna be doing this um, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start implementing it, and then people will say, oh yeah, I had that, it won't work. I had that idea 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, well you might have had that idea 10 years ago, but did you do anything about it? And, and there's always gonna be, the minute you put your head above the parapet, there's always gonna be somebody who has a pot shot at you. Um, yes. So you kinda to have to be prepared to uh, take the hate um but but be outcome orientated so it's do stuff because nothing nothing will make you more successful than just getting shit done um and then finally really and you wrap all of those three things into teamwork uh, and that's recognizing that you can't do everything on your own and there are other people who can do things better than you and sometimes you have to let go of things um and get out of your. It's why like I'm always saying the phrase. I just get out of my own badass way, um, because when you let other people in and you just trust them, you're, what you're doing when you trust other people is you're trusting yourself. And you're trusting yourself to let go. And when you let go, you can start to think about flying. But if you're hanging on, you're just hanging on. Um. Uh, you know, it's really, it's really those. So those are the four main things that I would, I would uh, say that um, successful people have as characteristics. And again, success on what terms? Um, because you don't, um, we don't have to be a billionaire to be successful.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really just depends on where you are as well. Because like, as far as it goes with um, like my own personal standards, I am I'm successful by society's standards, but not by my own. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's the way I always look at it because I'm like, oh wait, I've got all this stuff that I want to do. I've, it's constantly moving forward but it's like releasing myself out of the position I'm in, which is what I'm working towards. Um, and doing more of this because I love doing my podcast. I love doing the creativity and the art side but it's it's, it's just a blessing to be able to do so.
1: I mean, you, need to keep, you need to keep doing them because um, you're, I've been listening to your podcast over the last few weeks and um, like I said to you before, and I, I, ne- I need the audience to hear this um your podcast actually makes me laugh out loud. And uh, and and it and it actually makes me recognize that there are other people out there who are I'm uh, gonna stop and uh, I really avoid using bad language here. Oh go for
0: it, you're allowed to swear you know, on the show. Awesome.
1: They just you, you you have these people who um they're they're so humble, but they're they they are so awesome and they all have their own secret powers. Um that uh, you managed through your podcast to kind of get them to admit to. And that's yeah, what
0: I really, that's, I really liked. That's one of my favorite things I love doing on this show is I love getting people to admit their ridiculousness and who they are. because. Uh, so just to give you guys a background, I, ho- I hope you don't mind me doing this, because I don't think I've actually discussed this, is why specifically this show is the way that it is. Um, and the whole reason is because... Um, back in 2014-ish, around that time, 2012-2014, f- like, the online digital space was, like, just teeming with everyone trying to be the next, quote-unquote, guru and yeah. the next authority or whatever it was. And I was like, I know these guys. Because, like, the thing is, I've been a copywriter forever. Like, I've been a direct response copywriter from the, ta- from the time I turned 18. I was a pro. Previous to that, there was six years before, of, like, hard work and unconscious work underneath to actually get there. And I just exploded out of the gate with million dollar results. I mean, you just don't do that overnight. It takes a long time of building to get them. Yeah. And of course that had its own challenges, its own right. But in that time period, I knew a lot of people that came up being the big successful gurus they are today. And I'm like, I remember you. We spoke about and I have like this recall of the dumbest conversations we've had. Um, like there's a great copywriter called call um Cult a copy, really good dude. I've had him on the show before. Uh, like Colin and I have had like we when we met in London in October he actually was like he was telling his wife he was like shit I can't believe it I've known Adel for nearly like for, for a decade it's like yeah. I didn't know he was a 19 year old and it's like he's 29 now he's turning 30 it's insane I was like yeah it's really crazy that we've known each other this long but at the same time like he's never been the type of guy that portrays that he's like one person when he's not but I've actually met people that are like yes I'm the uh I'm the guru three thousand. You must listen to what I say. And I'm like, dude, please. I saw you get drunk off your face and tell some of the weirdest, racist shit ever that made me laugh my ass off. Because then I started making fun of it, and we kept going back and forth with each other. It's yeah. like um, my buddy R- Rory son. Um, Rory and I like he's Jewish. I'm um, you know I'm Muslim. So we both grew up in our own traditions. But we we rip each other like we we send okay. each other the most heinous messages back and forth, <laughs> and then sign them off with. Still love you? Of course. How's your day going? Just like, it's just shit like that that makes me smile. Um, but kind of getting on that, it kind of goes down to the whole aspect. The reason I saw the show was because I wanted to pull those stories out of people. Because yeah. they're there. They're the stories that everyone listening will laugh at, will understand, will relate to. Yeah. Fair enough, we can sit here and talk about, hey, so um, tell me what your biggest... Uh, thing is for your business i'm like look there's a million and one podcasts you've probably done where you've explained this shit yeah. this is the one podcast i want you to come on and the audience to come on and go you know that was funny as fuck i didn't know that christine was so hilarious i didn't know that this would happen i didn't know this would be going on and kind of like jumping off of that same thread something i realized about you because you told me is that you're a metalhead. head and my question to that is are you going to the metallica concert in a couple of weeks
1: I would love to. Um, uh, sadly, I get tinnitus now, so these things are just really. Um... There's,
0: a, there's a really good cure online for it. Oh, okay. someone's actually gone through on Reddit. I can't remember because I've uh, I've had tinnitus or tinnitus uh, since I was about nine, um, wow. and I actually didn't know that was the case until about a year ago. Actually, it was about until um, the movie Baby Driver came out. Which, if you haven't, have you seen Baby Driver? Oh, no. Oh my no. god, you need to watch Baby Driver. Like I know it's two years since it came out and whatever, but I will. It's probably one of the greatest heist movies we've had in modern times.
1: Like, I definitely have to watch it. Yeah. So well
0: done, so well choreographed. The music to it is amazing. Like yeah. literally, the opening beat is um, "Bell Bottoms" by the Something Blues Experience. I can't remember who does it. Who does it? But they, it's like a full.
1: Oh, um, yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. It's a
0: five and a half minute piece to a car chase.
1: Oh, wow. It is. That's
0: awesome. Incredible. Like, just, just, you can YouTube opening scene of Baby Driver and you'll, fall. like, just do that after the show. Let me know what I'm, you think.
1: I'm actually a bit of a petrol head as well. And
0: oh. um, No, I figured if you're a metal head, I'd expect that yeah. you were. Gearhead so, for the Americans that uh, don't know what that is.
1: So, I, 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 I'm definitely going to look up the um, Tinnitus thing. I mean, the last. Concert I went to. It was actually several years ago now, uh, but I went to the Ramstein concert, nice. and oh my god, it was performance art. Um, I, I actually got the tickets because I was taking a, an, an old friend, who I got the tickets six months before, and I phoned him up and said, "I, I know you'd love this, so I've got you a ticket, so we're going." And um, and and you know, I mean, he's married with kids, and I knew his wife wouldn't be interested. Um, and So for the next six months, I was getting text messages from this guy going, what am I going to wear? <laughs> I'm like, oh, for goodness sake, you know. But he said, well, what does a 50-year-old man wear to a metal concert? Said, the same as a 16-year-old boy, probably. Yeah, um, pretty much. So we had those uh, conversations. <laughs> but I, and I'm, I'm a bit of a muse groupie. So whilst I wouldn't call them metal. Um,
0: no, they're more indie rock. And I'm a huge fan of muse as well. In performance, they are amazing. I got the chance to see them at Wembley.
1: Yeah, I saw them um, at, at Wembley in two thousand I oh, don't no, it might have been 2010, actually. I think I was only just I back was, in the UK.
0: 2012, I think, was for me, or 2013. Yeah. Um, it was one of their late shows. It was brilliant, though. Um, I'd say the best one I've ever seen live, surprisingly, was Coldplay.
1: Yeah, I saw them at the Alamite Festival in 2006.
0: They were really good. So I saw them for the Adventure of a Lifetime uh, t- stadium tour they did in 2016. I went with one of my clients. It was brilliant. But what I was going to say real quickly, just kind of like going back towards the tinnitus thing for everyone else that's listening, um, the reason I actually realized I had it was this movie, the main character has it, and I didn't realize that the actual, what tinnitus was, it was like a little hum in the drum, I didn't realize that it was this high tinny thing. Yeah. And I thought that was just a thing everyone had, it was, I didn't realize it was a, It was tinnitus. So as soon as I figured it out, I started looking at other things online, and I found this thing on Reddit that everyone was talking about, and it actually worked, so it's reduced the amount of um, tinnitus I have whenever I listen to music, because, um, you know, music is one of my passions I have on the side of my creativity. And you and I are going to have a whole conversation after the show about all the other fun stuff that's there. But one of my questions that I really have for you specifically when it comes down to exactly what you do with businesses is I do know that you have a profit score on your website. Yes. Um, Now, could you talk me a little bit through that? Because there is something I I want to ask a couple of questions, but I don't want to ask questions that sound stupid. So I'm going to get you to explain Mm. it first and then go from there.
1: So what I, what I discovered um, was that I was constantly asking the same questions of clients when I was, when I was introduced to them, when I was meeting them for them the first time and they were talking about their businesses. Uh, I was always asking the same questions because these questions help me get under the skin of them in two ways. It helps me find where they are in terms of where their business is, but it also helps me understand how they feel about their business. And how they feel about the business dictates whether I want to work with them or not.
0: Yeah, of course. So, because how
1: they, you know, how they talk about their business will, will um, help me understand how I can help them. Um, so, so there's only seven questions and they're, they're all really feeling questions. So quite often business owners don't, when they, they know that something's not right, but they don't really know what's wrong. And a lot of it is gut feel. So rather than give them a long questionnaire that means that they've got to go off and find lots of information, the seven questions are really just about how they feel uh, about their business. I mean, you know, they are, do, you have a, do you have a plan? Do you have a business plan? Well, they either do or they don't. And sometimes it's in their head or is it, sometimes it's written down. But that's, that's, so that's kind of the hardest fact question. And then it's, you know, do you have the right people on board? Do you have processes in, in place? Do you actually have a grip of your cash flow? Now, you'll feel whether you have a grip or not. Um, do you know your numbers? Well, you, you'll feel whether you know them because um, you, you, you may have a good feel for them in your head rather than having them written down. But the last two questions are really the most important ones, <clears throat> excuse me, um, which is how, what's the relationship that you have with your business? Because a lot of business owners, you know, their business and themselves are so overlapped. They're so the same thing. They feel that they are their business and they're not. They're a separate person and the business is a separate entity. And so they sometimes struggle with that. So the seventh question, which is one that I've asked more recently, um, is and what impact is that having on your family and, and your personal relationships? Because actually that then starts to put it really in, in hard focus, that their business is often so much a part of them that they're letting their business drive their behavior rather than their behavior driving the activity in their business. And then when they come to that understanding they, and they articulate it to me in a way that lets me see who they are, uh, you know, what their values are, then I can very simply decide whether I want to work with them or not. And, and, and actually, they'll understand whether they want to work with me. I mean, it, I am Marmite. You know, I'm, I'm called the no bullshit lady because um, I don't really. I
0: would them. not say that. that. That's the one I would not give you. Yes, you are no BS, but I would not give you that. Only because I think so many people have tried to use that, that it's now become generic. Yeah. That's not the title I'd go with personally for you i'd call you just like the business like the profit badass personally more than anything else than that yeah just because it's like you know you genuinely do go and look at business and go all right cool i need to sort this out and get this done
1: yeah and
0: this is good because the questionnaire its own right does help people really really figure it out and i know one of my clients has like an 83 page questionnaire <laughs> wow that's well, quite- either, no sorry it's either 83 qu- pages or 83 questions no it's 83 yeah. questions he has an 83 questions questionnaire and 83 the all 83 by the time you're done you have a basic mini book written about your business yeah and i'm like why i That's- don't want to read that my whole thing is like, i don't uh, it's uh, as much as i love reading cuz i read a lot of books i'm actually dyslexic so i like audiobooks more oh uh, um, right yeah the humor in being a dyslexic copywriter always is always fun to me um, but my personal favorite has to always be whenever i'm reading um, if I can get the information from the horse's mouth, I will rather ask the person rather than go on and read their book because I'm like this book is useless. This doesn't tell me who you are, what you do, and how you feel. Speaking yeah. to you does. It gives me like a full range perspective of what kind of person you really are. Yeah. Now I'm gonna ask one of my favorite questions here, and it's really something that we've just dis- like we discussed it earlier. But we didn't really get into it in this way. So I'm going to ask. So when you went through your depressive times, because again, there is something you had where you had a 7 million pound business that was turning over for my American friends that's around $11 million. And even though you loved what you did, it was depressing the shit out of you. And then, you know, you had a whole thing that was boring and that was depressing the shit out of you. So my question is, when you're going through not just a depression, when you're going through, like when life literally kicks you in the ass and goes, hey, bitch, you're going to be on the floor. Whether that's male or female, it's completely up to you. But it has you on the floor. And it's like, let's see you get back up from this one. What process? Because like, yes, you have the tenacity they will obviously get you back up. And that's something that I think every real entrepreneur has. Like you can almost feel it right away. Yeah. My question is, what were the actual physical steps you took to actually get out and ensure you stay out? Or if you go back in, you know the pathway out? Because I truly believe we all have a map for everything that we do, like we have a map, map for forgiveness, we have a map for kindness, we have a map of process, we have a map of getting out of shit. What is yeah. that map for you and how did you do it?
1: Okay, um, so I, am, I feel I'm extraordinarily lucky in that, um, for, t- for two reasons. Um, one, I'm the eldest of five kids. Uh, and therefore, it's kind of, it, there's been an innate leadership Yeah, it's like I I, I take responsibility Um, but equally I've since being very young I've always had role models and I've recognized the value of those role models and then when I was 14 I I met my first um, mentor sort of life mentor and this was someone who absolutely role modeled the way so my uh, and, and, and throughout my entire career, I've had, you know, I've had professional mentors, in, you know, people who've mentored me through the professional elements of my life. I've had business mentors um, and I've had role, role model mentors and I've mentored lots of people myself. And when I feel that I'm, uh, you know, I've hit rock bottom and I really uh, when I'm really on my knees, then I, I do I do three things. One, I visualize myself in a better place. And it might be, it might feel very far off, but I just visualise myself in a better place. Um, and you know, I'm a great hiker, and I used to do a lot of kind of climbing and mountaineering. Um, so a great place for me is to visualise myself on the top of a hill. In fact, when I was in, uh, when my brother was in Denver, we hit the, um, climbed the Continental Divide, and you're up there, and you're. I think it's fifteen thousand feet. It's just, it's, it's just stunning.
0: Yeah, above sea so, level sits so ridiculously at okay. your altitude.
1: And, and so that's my, that's my good go-to place um, because you can see the, the entire world and it makes you feel very small. And then it allows you to sit there and think, actually, you know what? The shit that I'm going through right now, it's, it's, it, it's tiny in the whole grand scheme of the world. It's tiny in the whole grand scheme of my life. It's a, it's a blip. It's a, it's a moment. And I can control how I feel and what I do. And I can't control all this other stuff, but I can control myself. So I take the visualization of the good place. And then in my mind, I mentally start to, to take the one step at a time towards the good place. And, it can, and the, so the first step is always recognizing what's good about the situation that, I, that I'm in right now. And the one thing that has unified all of that is I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out and I can open my eyes and I can see and I can open my ears and I can hear and I can open my mouth and I can speak. And of all of those things, I've got vision, I can hear and I can, so I can listen to other people and so therefore I can receive advice and then I can cry for help. And, I, and, yeah, I was 43 before I asked for help for the very first time. And I had been uh, roofied, so somebody had put the date rape drug in my drink. Sure. And um, I, uh, 24 hours, nearly 24 hours later, I woke up in hospital with a neck brace on. And I was in scrubs, so I didn't have any of my own clothes on. And, um, and as, I, as I came to, it, I well, had a hangover from hell is what it felt like, but it was just the impact of the drug on me. Um, and basically what had happened was this guy had roofed my, my drink, put the rohypnol in my drink. And as I t- took a, a mouthful of it, I reacted to the drug straight away. And then he tried to assault me and I punched him. But I managed to catch him right on the nose and his nose exploded all over me. So I was covered in blood. And then, I, and then I collapsed in unconsciousness. Well, at this point, there was quite a kerfuffle and, the, you know, people came to rescue me. So whilst I, I, nothing really bad happened to me other than this unconsciousness. But because I was in the ambulance, I was in the States, I was in the ambulance and I was covered in this blood. They thought he'd stabbed me. So they cut my clothes off. And of course, when I got to the hospital, they had to dress me in something. So they and they charged me for the scrubs, sixty dollars. God, uh, that to put the, the the scrubs on me. And when I came round, I had no idea. I, I when I would collapsed, I'd hit my head on a concrete step, um, and it really uh, I, I had the damaged neck for a short period of time. But um, but when I woke up, the first thing I thought of was I have no idea where I am. But I woke my eyes, and so I can see, and I'm breathing in and out, and my head might hurt, but pretty sure I'm alive so um it, yeah and there's nothing in life that's going to be worse than being in hospital and not knowing what's wrong with you or where you are um, yeah
0: that's one of the scariest feelings to wake up to unfortunately yeah. one i've woken up to far too many times in my own personal life
1: <laughs> but
0: uh it, it's in, usually through some ridiculous reason or another but i've got to tell you like the strangest feelings i have is when you wake up in a place that you're not familiar with yeah it gives you that instant panic and uh Unfortunately, I have some friends that do really, really stupid shit with me. Uh, They've, they've, i fall. this is years ago. I fell asleep at my friend's place and they ended up picking me up and moving me to another room and then basically building like a cocoon around me. (laughs) And the cocoon they built around me was in boxes. So they just basically slid box after box after box underneath my body and like put the top on and then just basically like padded up the sides and they did this quite, I was out like a fucking light, I was completely gone, I couldn't hear anything. They basically did all of this, giggling while they did it because they filmed it as well, the assholes, and then just left the camera running until I woke up.
1: You must have thought you were in a coffin.
0: That's what they were going for. And I freaked out, I was like, Shit, am I dead? And they were like, Adle no, it's totally fine. And I was like, I hate all of you. <laughs> and then after like five minutes afterwards I laughed at them. I was like, That's a good prank. I hate you so much for sharing you <laughs> with it. But as far as it goes, I, I, I do realise that that's definitely not one of the good feelings, especially after you got the hangover from hell as well, from like what that drug does to I your internal I, system.
1: I wouldn't mind if I'd really had a good night and had been drinking it just like, seems like such a waste of a hangover
0: yeah, exactly right you only get so many and
1: yeah that's a,
0: that's a wasted one in its own right yes. so one of my favorite questions to ask on the show as you have listened is asking about like what types of books people love to read so i'm going to ask you if you could recommend not five but ten books and movies that you recommend people watch now the caveat is that seven of them have to be non-fiction three of them can be fictional or movies What would okay
1: have? Um, okay well I, I'm going to recommend a movie uh, not for any other reason than it's just if I was stuck on a desert island and I could only watch this movie um, then this would be the movie and it's Blade Runner
0: the first uh, one or the remake or the second oh, one
1: oh, no, the, well I actually liked the sequel but um, the, the original. Uh, yeah so it was originally a book by Philip K. Dick and he wrote do robots so the, the title of the book is do robots dream of electric sheep and, it, and it's actually a really good book, um, okay. but the film is just amazing um, because really what it's about is what it's like to be human. And, um, and, and, and anybody who's seen the film will understand, you know, these robots actually think that they're human. In, well, they want to live. They, they don't think they're human at all, but they want to live. And it's that, that um, hanging on to that, that absolute sheer will to just keep existing. Um, is fundamentally part of what what it is to be human, um, and uh, I, so I recommend I, I recommend the film and or and or the book, but that's one one of my um, one of my mm-hmm. choices. Um, from a, a book perspective, the the book that I give out the most to just about everybody is the E Myth by Michael Gerber. Now, if you if you listen to it on Audible, and it, he does do it on Audible, and he's quite a controversial character. Um uh, but even when I'm reading the actual book in my head I'm hearing his voice and he's got a very distinctive voice eh? but he, and he can be very funny but he's a very very dry humor um and the so other part
0: thing of trust, then.
1: <laughs> the other the other thing that I uh, book that I give out a lot is um a, a book called the one thing and I keep saying it's by Joe Calloway and I'm pretty sure it's not But um, the the fundamental thing about the book, and I can save you reading the book. Here it is in one sentence. It's what is the one thing such that by doing it right now makes everything else in the future either easier or irrelevant. And it's a a great way of improving your productivity. But it's a really good book um, and really,
0: really, really short. Um, I think it's by Gary W. Keller.
1: Yes, Gary Keller. Yeah, yeah. So Joe Joe um,
0: J. Pa- uh, Papasan, I think it is. This is a co-writer that wrote it. Yeah,
1: that sounds about right. Yeah. So, but the, the, those those two books, I probably have bought more than a hundred times because I give them away fairly frequently. Um, oh dearie me, I'm I'm struggling now because this has caught me on the.
0: Oh, on it'll the catch course. everyone. I love doing this because it's a fun little thing. That's like, ooh, what would I even think? And this is why I never, I, this is why I never edit my show because I love this action <laughs> because I'm like, it makes me fun. It makes my day great.
1: Okay. So my, my um third book is going to be traction by Gina Wickman. Um, so Gina Wickman has devised this thing called the entrepreneur's operating system. It's something that I implement with just about all my clients. It's a really good book. Um, most business owners think, well, Hey, now, where do I get started? Well, give me a call cause I can implement it. Um, and my business partner Daryl is an ace at implementing the EOS. So, um, and it, it, it just—it's a—it's a fairly simple framework, but and it just has amazing results. I mean, I've had clients who've doubled their turnover as a result of implementing that. Um, uh, another fiction, uh, oh, actually, um, Jerry Weissman's "Presenting to Win." If anybody has ever sat through the most turgid document presented as presentation, as in a PowerPoint slide presentation with more words on it than bloody war and peace, then you uh, hand this book, uh, Presenting to Win by Jerry Weissman, to to the presenter. It's it's pretty life-changing. I mean, I have slides in my presentation, they've got no words on them, and it's brilliant. People look at the pictures and then they pay attention to what I'm saying. Um, Oh, goodness me. Uh, a piece of fiction, uh, fiction book. Um, this is going to be right out there. I love John, I love John Irving uh, as a writer. I think he's an extraordinarily talented writer, and he wrote a book called A Prayer for Owen Meany. This okay. book, it was the only English language book that I could find when I when I was in France, and I was getting the TGV from Nice to Paris, um, and I literally worked it. It was. It, Picked it up purely because it was the only English book there, and within three minutes of being into this book, I had laughed out loud. I was crying. I was sobbing um, at the story, and it kept me going through it. I mean, it's a roller coaster of a read, but again, it's all about being human, um, and it's just so well written. He's. I recommend all of his books, but but that would be one of my Desert Island um my, my absolute desert island books mm-hmm. um i am going to do something really bad i'm just going to open my cupboard because i have a bookcase inside oh. my cupboard.
0: go for it i have i haven't built mine yet because i'm still um again sorting yeah. by the time this show comes out my uh my office bedroom and everything should be set up fully the way i want it so we we'll in a perfect podcasting studio in future Ah. So, what I want to do eventually for the show is I want to start bringing guests that, if they're in local to London or whatever, so I like just get them to come to my house when we record in house.
1: Yeah, no, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, so, in my, um, in my little library, uh, I, the things that are right in my eye line are um, there's a book by Daniel Priestley called Key Person of Influence. He's written several books, but that's the book that I would recommend most. Recommend the most. Um, uh, I love Dan Kennedy. He is a grumpy old git, but he is great at what he does. I mean, he earned Guru. He he is the master. And and I would recommend his No BS Marketing to the Affluent. Great books. Fundamentally, people should be marketing to money, not the many. And if you niche and get it with the pe- get to people with the most disposable income, then you know your your business is a is a, a winner. Um, I would also recommend the Motivation Manifesto by Brendan Burchard. I'm not sure how many books I'm up to now.
0: I think you're up to six.
1: I think my I think my third fiction book. Would be the monk who sold his Ferrari. Well, oh, well, no. oh, oh, I've gone over, haven't I? Because I
0: Blade
1: Runner. Well, um, prayer for only me, Owen Meany, and then it's going to be the the monk who sold his Ferrari. So
0: those are my I'll three. Three for nonfiction, three. and then we've also got the one thing, Priestley's book. Yeah, Bashard's book. What? There's another book that we're missing.
1: Michael Gerber.
0: Gerber's book. What else?
1: Dan Kennedy's. Dan Kennedy. Um, so I've got two more. Oh, this, this is so difficult. Um, oh, Mer- Marcus Sheridan's, you ask, they, uh, sorry, they ask you answer.
0: Excellent. Great book. Uh,
1: yeah, Really good book. I love the way it's, um, uh, way it's written. I have one more book. Oh, I need to be really cheeky here.
0: Go for it. <laughs> if you don't I, put your own I, book on this list, I'll be pissed.
1: I am going to recommend my own
0: book. Yeah, well, that's because I'm going to be getting a signed copy of your book when I see you.
1: I will send you signed copies of both of them. In fact, I've got a third book coming out. So my second book, which is, so my first book was Five Minute Finance. My second book is What's Your Profit Score, which is around, it actually talks around why the profit score thing works. It works. Um, and And actually, if you want to implement some of the stuff, you could do it purely from my book because that's what it was written for. And then I have just written, um, a book called how to build a unicorn, five tech, five steps to tech business success. And it really is like, there's this big thing about building billion dollar businesses or billion dollar value businesses. And, um, it's like the thing that everybody wants, but you know, there's a huge danger in going after that. And you might be better off. You might be better off from a, the effort that you put in and the wealth that you generate by not chasing the billion-dollar valuation. But there's a way of you not actually killing yourself um, spending your entire life savings and walking away with nothing. Um, and it is about managing the risk. But um, So I, I, I devised a process where I've learned from what Google, um, Microsoft and Amazon do and I've just distilled what the, the, the techniques that they do into something that can be applied to even a micro business or a, or, a, or an early, um, you know, from an idea to, to the implementation. Um, and that will be coming out in June, I think. It's currently being Excellent. edited. Well, that
0: should be around the same time. This It'll be a little bit after this interview drops. So do send me a link to the Amazon page once it goes live, and um, we'll basically go ahead and put it on the show as well yeah. so people can actually check that out as well. Right, so those are definitely awesome. So, guys, I am going to go ahead and say thank you, Christine. It was absolutely amazing having you on the show today. I definitely want to get you back on in future because I think it'll be a lot of fun to have you on the show. Hey,
1: uh, thank um,
0: you. And besides that, any last things that you want to share with anyone before we head out?
1: Um, I I just go back to the you know my daily mantra. It might sound, and I am not a woo woo person. Anybody who knows me knows that I am not. You know, I'm not one of those you know university type of people. But you know what? Get up, dress up, and show up every single day because it's a habit that once you get into, um, you can defeat absolutely every other barrier in your life. And and sometimes the biggest barrier is how you feel. But just get up, dress up, show up.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. That that is like the biggest thing ever. So I was just going to say real quick before we um, head off, Thank you so much for actually going ahead and actually being so open with everything that you've done. Obviously there's a lot more that I want to unpack and like, you know, follow through exactly like the small challenges of how you got from one place to another and actually how you even built up to that 7 million pound valuation, which we didn't even get to like some
1: <laughs> business. <laughs> not valuation. <laughs> yeah.
0: We, we didn't even go down that path. Well, that's a whole different thing that we want to go through. So guys go check out the profit maxim, the profit, profit uh, uh, fixer.co.uk. <laughs> Why do I want to keep saying Maximizer? It's the <laughs> profit today. Theprofitfixer.co.uk. Thank you for the correction. Go take the um, the profit score itself, pick up the book, and definitely just reach out to Christina, uh, Christine because she's absolutely amazing uh, in the way that she does what she does. And guys, I will see you on uh, next week's episode. Please make sure you share, review, like, subscribe to the show because those things actually do add up and it helps us get more people on board. And if you guys have any recommendations of who you want me to interview, please send them through to my website and I can actually start interviewing them through that way as well. Take care and I'll see you next week. Bye.